the Conscious Style Podcast, where we explore what it will take to build a better, more sustainable, and equitable future for fashion. I'm your host, Elizabeth Joy. Now let's dive into today's episode. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the Conscious Style Podcast. In these first few episodes of the show, before I bring on guests, I'm breaking down some of the common terminology and concepts in the conscious fashion space. In today's episode, we are talking all about slow fashion. We will explore what slow fashion is, why it matters, in other words, the impact of fast fashion, what slow fashion and a slow fashion mindset looks like in practice, and discuss some ideas of how we can get involved with slow fashion. Before we get started though, I just wanted to mention here that there are a lot of links to the resources mentioned here in the show notes, and there is also a text version of this episode that you can find over on ConsciousLifeAndStyle.com. And as a quick reminder, make sure that you are subscribed or following the Conscious Style podcast on your podcast app of choice so that you do not miss any future episodes. All right, now let's get into this episode on slow fashion. Slow fashion involves timeless design that transcends trends, thoughtful production that prioritizes quality over quantity, intentional purchasing practices instead of overconsumption, and responsible clothing care that extends the life of the pieces we own as much as possible. In short, slow fashion is about mindfulness throughout the entire life cycle of a piece, whether that's a garment, pair of shoes, or other accessory. This all sounds simple enough, but what does all of this actually look like in practice? And how can we actually slow down this industry that seems to be moving faster and faster each year or even month? We have a lot to discuss in this show, but first, I think it's important to have a bit of context and history of how fashion got to where it is today. Before the rise of mass production during the Industrial Revolution, most garments were handmade in small batches slowly and relatively locally to the customer. The introduction of textile machinery in England in the 18th and 19th centuries meant that fabric and garments could be produced in larger quantities at cheaper prices and with lower quality standards. While the machines themselves may have helped makers in some ways and definitely helped make clothes more affordable for the masses, the industrialization of fashion also created and exasperated a slew of problems. Not only did mass-produced fashion reduce the quality of garments and make fashion more homogenous, but it hurt the livelihoods of artisans and craftspeople. Instead of a fashion economy of small batch makers, independent designers, skilled weavers, and expert tailors, the fashion economy shifted to one of mechanized factories with factory owners who held the power and made the profits, and a low-paid labor force that was underpaid, mistreated, and primarily consisting of women and children. In other words, the industrialization of fashion created sweatshops. The first sweatshop sprouted up in London, where the Industrial Revolution started, and then quickly spread across Europe and eventually to the United States. Now today, of course, we know there are still sweatshops all around the world, in China, Bangladesh, but also, yes, still in England and the United States. In addition to the lack of worker rights, the industrialization of fashion created stark global inequities that can still be felt today. Cheap, mass-produced imports from industrialized countries in Europe to colonized countries in the global south 
led to a rapid decline in local artisanal production, production that was and is inherently slow and sustainable. As author Andrew Brooks outlined in the book Clothing Poverty, colonized territories in Africa, Asia, and South America were underdeveloped in order to serve the industrial economies, or colonial powers. Between the competition with this inexpensive mass-produced fashion, the fact that many people were forced to supply raw materials for the colonizers, and a number of other reasons that will be discussed in more detail throughout the upcoming interviews with the guests, these areas saw a decline in that slow, artisanal production. So I really wanted to lay out that brief history there to show that slow fashion is so interconnected with ethical fashion. Mass production of fashion has been connected to sweatshops and the unethical treatment of people since the very beginning. And then we can also see the connections between slow fashion and sustainable fashion because this rise of mass production was connected to a negative environmental impact since it created more products, more waste, and was produced in factories powered by fossil fuels. And also, this history shows that fast fashion, while terrible, was not the start of the fashion industry's problems. That said, the rise of fast fashion has certainly taken the industry to new levels, or rather, lows, as the previous two episodes on ethical fashion and sustainable fashion explored in detail. According to the Ellen MacArthur Foundation, clothing production doubled just in the 15-year period from 2000 to 2015, from 50 billion units produced annually to 100 billion units. Meanwhile, perhaps quite unsurprisingly, clothing utilization decreased by about 36%. Clothing utilization is essentially how many times a person wears a garment before it gets discarded. And a recent survey from Vice, which was taken by individuals mostly between the ages of 18 and 24, found that nearly a quarter of respondents said that they sometimes wear an item just once before throwing it out. And 8% of respondents to that same survey said that they buy more than 10 items a month from online fast fashion retailers. Yikes. On the other hand, though, the slow fashion movement is in stark contrast to this fast fashion model. The slow fashion movement is about pressing pause on the current endless trend hamster wheel and instead returning to this idea of personal style that is not about chasing trends. Note that this does not have to mean boring. Slow fashion does not have to mean basic garments and neutral hues. It's about finding your own style that you love and not feeling like you have to change up your wardrobe every season. On the design side of things, slow fashion is about brands designing garments with quality fabrics and durable construction so that they can last the test of time. And on the consumer side of things, slow fashion is about slowing down how quickly we consume fashion. It requires us to ask more questions before we add an item to our cart. Like, do I really need this piece? Is this piece comfortable enough to wear again and again? Do I have something to wear with this piece? Do I have something very similar to this piece already? Is this piece actually my style? Do I like the fit of this piece? Do I like the fabric? Do I feel good about supporting this maker, brand, or seller? Is this piece high quality? There are so many questions to ask before we hit buy or check out at a store. In essence, slow fashion is about slowing down, 
literally every part of the life cycle of fashion. To illustrate what I mean by this, I want to do a few comparisons between fast fashion and slow fashion. While fast fashion brands churn out countless new clothes weekly or even daily, slow fashion brands release just a few collections per year. While fast fashion brands produce a shocking number of garments and inherently produce a lot of waste, slow fashion brands produce in small, intentional batches. While fast fashion brands use aggressive marketing tactics and sales to drive conspicuous consumption, slow fashion brands promote mindful purchasing habits. While fast fashion is designed to fall apart after just a few wears, slow fashion is designed to last years, decades, or even lifetimes. While fast fashion has a huge environmental footprint, slow fashion is mindful of the impact of fashion. While fast fashion is made in assembly line-like factories in opaque supply chains, slow fashion is made in smaller workshops or facilities in transparent supply chains. Beyond production, though, it's about slowing down consumption and buying less. Participating in slow fashion doesn't necessarily mean that you have to purchase from slow fashion brands. It could also mean upcycling thrifted finds, repairing and mending old garments, or finding new ways to wear your existing clothes instead of buying something new. The slow fashion movement is really about a mindset shift. It's about developing a closer relationship to our clothes and not treating them as if they were disposable. And this is in no way about shaming any individual for shopping fast fashion. I was definitely there too, and I understand that it can be almost addicting and very difficult to quit. And sometimes buying fast fashion may be the only accessible or affordable option. And buying fast fashion does not exclude you from the slow fashion movement. You could still participate by, say, simply buying less and trying to keep your clothes as long as you possibly can. Now, if you are able to support slow fashion brands and do want to invest in a slow fashion piece, here are some elements to look for to ensure that the brand actually is a slow fashion label. First, see if the designs are more about timeless styles than trends. Though that said, you could absolutely still buy something that is a bit trendy if you really genuinely love the trend and would wear it far past when it's out. Next, look for traceable supply chains. If a brand is really producing intentionally, they'll be able to track each step of the production process. Preferably, a brand will be partnering directly with the facilities or workshops that their products are made in, or maybe they even own the workshops or factories themselves. Another thing to look for is that the pieces were made with durable materials and made with high attention to quality. And often, slow fashion is made by hand or made with many handmade techniques and elements. While slow fashion isn't free of machinery, it is commonly made in smaller workshops or artisan cooperatives as opposed to huge factories with assembly lines of workers. Sometimes, slow-made pieces will even be fully crafted by one or two artisans, or even by the designer themselves. Finally, a slow fashion brand produces in small batches. When a brand is producing slowly, they simply can't produce as much. So if you see a brand coming out with thousands of styles every single month, you know that is not slow fashion. 
If you listened to the first two episodes of this show, you might be noticing that slow fashion overlaps with other concepts like ethical fashion and sustainable fashion. This can make it a bit confusing. Some slow fashion may be sustainably and ethically made, but not all slow fashion is necessarily sustainable fashion or ethical fashion. For instance, just because a garment was made slowly doesn't mean that the fabrics were sourced responsibly or that the artisans making that piece were paid fairly. I think that this is important to point out because I have seen some greenwashing going on with brands marketing their clothing as artisan-made or handmade as if that equals ethical or sustainable fashion. Although artisan-made may often mean that there were smaller production quantities, we still have to ask questions about the pay the artisans received and the conditions where they worked. Similarly, handmade or slow-made doesn't guarantee environmental sustainability. We still have to ask questions about the fibers and the dyes used to make that handmade piece. If it's all still a bit confusing, I definitely suggest going back to episode number one and number two if you haven't tuned into those already. And also, throughout this show, I will be bringing on guests who will talk about all of these concepts in practice, so it should become more clear throughout season one and beyond of this podcast. Now we talked a bit about what slow fashion production practices look like. But as I talked about before, slow fashion is not just about the type of production processes, it's also about our approach to fashion. So here are some ways to get involved with slow fashion that do not involve shopping. The first is to just make the most out of our existing wardrobes. Rewearing what we have again and again, not being afraid of outfit repeating, and being able to get creative with the clothes in our closets. Stay tuned for an upcoming episode with a closet curation expert for plenty of tips on this. In the meantime, here are a couple of resources to check out. One book that was super helpful in my wardrobe journey was the book The Curated Closet. This book is an incredibly thorough guide walking you through the process of assessing your style, organizing your wardrobe, and making choosing out your outfit each morning easier and more enjoyable. If you're not quite ready to dedicate that much time to doing a full closet audit and style assessment, just start by taking a look at your wardrobe and seeing what you have. Write out what you have in a spreadsheet or perhaps in a closet app like Stylebook. This way, when you're tempted to buy something, you have a list to refer to to see if you may already have something similar that you could wear instead. And it helps you figure out if you actually could make outfits with that piece you're thinking about buying. The added bonus of using an app like Stylebook is that many of them give you outfit suggestions based on the existing clothes in your wardrobe, so they help you get creative and find unique combinations of clothes and accessories that you already own. Another way to get involved in slow fashion is to care for our clothes more and try to extend their lives as long as possible. This means washing our clothes less. If you're worried about smells, I do have a guide to getting smells out of clothes without washing them that I'll link in the show notes. And then when the time does come to wash, we can hand wash our delicates, especially things like bras, and machine wash on cold when needed. It's also great if we can avoid or minimize machine drying and air dry our clothes instead. Now, air drying in smaller spaces can be difficult, so collapsible drying racks are a lifesaver. And if you just search collapsible drying rack online, you should be able to find quite a few options. 
So these washing and drying tips are kind of like win-win wins. They're lighter on our clothes. They reduce energy consumption. So it's a great way to reduce the ecological footprint of our clothing. And of course, washing and drying less saves us money too. I do want to acknowledge here that some of these things do take additional time like hand washing or air drying, so they might not always be possible. But whenever we can implement these things, these approaches can really help our clothes stay in good shape longer. Of course, no matter how well we care for our clothes, there will be a time when a hole or tear appears in a piece, especially if we're wearing and rewearing and rewearing it again and again. The fast fashion approach would be to discard that garment and buy a brand new one to replace it. But the slow fashion approach would be to mend that hole and fix that tear. Mending is a bit of a lost art, but there are some really fabulous tutorials on YouTube for everything, even the absolute basics. A couple of channels to check out are Easy Sewing for Beginners and Repair What You Wear. Another resource to check out is Fixing.Fashion, which is a free open source platform with tutorials on how to repair and upcycle clothes. Fixing Fashion does have a collection of designs to inspire you, but they do not sell you anything. They simply offer information on how you can make these designs yourself. However, not everyone has the time or frankly the desire to sew. And that's also okay. The slow fashion movement should not be exclusive and there are always plenty of ways to get involved. You can always take your piece to a tailor, seamstress, cobbler, or leather repair shop depending on the piece. And your local dry cleaners also most likely has the ability to fix or hem or do some repairs as well. There are people who have dedicated their entire careers to becoming expert seamstresses and tailors and it's fantastic to be able to support them. Not every single person has to be skilled at mending and sewing. While it might help to have some basic knowledge, there are experts who can help us out. Also, we can be pushing brands to take more responsibility for the entire life of their clothes, and that would include doing repairs, preferably for free. This would also encourage brands to design their garments with better quality in the first place. One big brand that has been doing this for a while is Patagonia, and I've also seen a few smaller brands do something similar. And as consumers, and more importantly, fashion activists, we can push the entire industry to move this direction. There's so much more to explore when it comes to mending, repairing, and upcycling, as these are all super important aspects of sustainable and slow fashion. I hope to bring on a guest for a later episode in the show to discuss all of these things much further. There are many more ways that we can get involved in the slow fashion movement, but the main thing I would really love for you to take away from this episode is that slow fashion is about a mindset shift, not a certain aesthetic. I know it can be deceptive on Instagram, but slow fashion is really about valuing the clothes that we wear. And I mean beyond a monetary value, but actually recognizing that time, effort, and resources went into making each and every single item, even those old fast fashion pieces. Slow fashion is about building a long-term, years-long, or even decades-long relationship with our clothes, rather than a short-term, transactional, seasonal one. And you can do this with clothes of any style and any color. So that, my friends, wraps it up for this introduction to some of the main concepts of slow fashion. For more resources, check out the previous episodes and subscribe to the show so that you do not miss any future ones. 
You can also head over to ConsciousLifeAndStyle.com and follow at ConsciousStyle on Instagram for more content on all things sustainable and ethical fashion. Finally, if you're looking for even more, be sure to subscribe to my weekly newsletter, The Conscious Edit. In this newsletter, I share consciously curated recommendations for reading, watching, listening to, supporting, and much more. You can sign up at ConsciousLifeAndStyle.com forward slash edit. Thank you again for tuning in today, and I will see you again in the next episode.